they were found guilty. Reagan pardoned them. He used as his excuse, well, since we, that is myself and the other people in the, in the action, had won our case, he should balance the scales by letting these people go. There was no balance of the scales. We had not committed any crimes. Of course, you committed a lot of crimes. No, you I didn't commit crimes in terms of that. And the crimes that I committed, I was, I went to jail for or not. I served, I served 30 days in jail at one point. I had my degree taken from me and held for seven years. You broke into uh, the president's office and destroyed it. You Excuse me? Is this Columbia. Any, what, is this an accusation? No, no, I'm talking about your, your chums, your crowd. There yeah. was violence done. There was no, violence done. You were very proud of it. You said what was done at Columbia was a yes. prideful thing. Yeah. No, right. it wasn't. Oh, it was violence. It uh -huh. was illegal. Uh -huh. It was destruction of property. Yeah, and the people who, <coughs> you see, something that you're not dealing with is that people were arrested for those things. They were, went to jail or they did not. The fact is that out of all those crimes, they were not found crimes by the court. You might, can, you might say that over and over again to, to, to continue to insist that your position then was right, even though history, in fact, has proved it wrong. But the court did not find them crimes. Out of the thousand or so people who were arrested at Columbia, I think maybe five served jail sentences of any sort. I'll give you another instance of the same sort of thing. The Panther 21. These were people who were arrested on charges of, as Jane will remember, a huge variety. They were going to bomb Macy's, bomb Bloomingdale's, etc. The trial went on for two years. It cost the taxpayers of this state an enormous amount of money. Do you know how, do you remember how long it took the jury to decide whether those no, people were? It took them exactly 40 minutes after two years of testimony. The fact of the matter is that the violence that was done in the 60s and 70s was incomparable to the violence that was done, being done by the state. And it was used then and has continued, I guess, to be used now, though I'm surprised at it, as a kind of foil to, 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 um, to make people detour around the central fact of what was going on, which was the destruction of a people and three countries. I agree. I was opposed to the war in Vietnam. I also believe in protest and demonstration. It's guaranteed under the Constitution. I, I don't believe in violence and bloodshed and bombings and murder. And uh, a lot of that. Yeah, I don't believe on. in murder either. And that's that's what our yeah. government is doing right now that's in our El Salvador and El Salvador Absolutely. and throughout the world. I think that it's right. You have to keep these things in perspective. Even though, like I said before, I myself think that a lot of the things that some some of the students did in frustration were bad for the movement. The overarching, you know criminality in our society is the people who run it, what they do to the people who live in ghettos, what they do to people who live in the third world, and what they increasingly do visibly to white mm -hmm. working class people who live in this country whose, whose entire uh, expectations of what they could expect to get if they were good people, tried to, you know, went to work in the morning. Look what is happening to the, to, to the fabric of our economy and of our society. Now, I think that, that what we have to do now, this time around, okay, I think partly it's, it's valuable to bring this up to the 80s and, and what are we going to do with all this, is figure out a way for radicals to help to construct a really effective movement this time that can help to educate people in the society about what the real locus of the problem is. I, I agree really with you in your diagnosis of our problem today. It's a, a time of frustration and uh, anger. Hopes.
postponed or forgotten uh, dreams of right a home. Now the right wing is destroyed actively. All right, but let's talk about the kind of society just, can I you'd just like to build. Backtrack just for a second. Backtrack for a second. Marie. Just about Columbia, because it, it again I get very. <laughs> can we upset. get out of Columbia? No, because <laughs> I, I just have to correct an impression that you left, which is that the violence at Columbia was committed by the students. And again, it just amazes me that this is what people remember. The violence at Columbia that dominated the front pages for weeks the was the violence of the police who came in at 3 o'clock in the morning, beat up and arrested people who weren't even part of the demonstration, who were just walking around the campus. It was, it was such a shocking thing, and it, it was... I mean, it galvanized faculty that had not been on the side of the students at all like to see that the, the New York City police would act like that. And the police arrived at the call of the president and the uh, officers of the university because he felt that uh, the university and its property were being destroyed and that people were going to be hurt. And came in and invaded your campus at 4 o'clock in the morning and cracked heads and broke... So I wasn't there, Look, so I, I had like nothing... I wasn't there either, but know, I read to the, defend the same paper. I mean, I, I was... <laughs> he was there. I was a student there, so I had personal contacts with people who were involved in it. I wasn't involved myself. And it didn't just happen but there, obviously. That same no, scenario... I would like to come to the way. society you wish to create now and the methods that you would... We might not all look at it exactly the same all way. All right, well, so. let's talk about it. But I have to pause oh, okay. that. You have changed. You have evolved from the 60s protest movement to what you are today. What is your mood today? Resignation or withdrawal? Uh, well, no. Um, I mean, in terms of my personal evolution, I decided at a certain point that I wanted to uh, write full-time and devote myself to that. So um, that was the biggest change and, and a decision, because it also meant the decision that I did not want to be a full-time political organizer, which essentially is what I had been up until then. Are um, you back in the system? Do you vote in local, state, and national elections? I do, to my yeah. amazement. I, um, <laughs> I voted against Ed Koch. Um, I voted against Ronald Reagan. I seem to be voting more against than I end up voting for, but there are some people, especially on the local level, I guess, that I do vote for. But, of course, with the Reagan administration, I found that um, the, my level of uh, involvement in organizations did change. I, and I guess that deepened that would... Yeah, yeah, it deepened. Um, uh, I think that, um, that the Reagan administration is a... Uh, is the climax, actually, of a, of a kind of um, counter-revolution uh, that has been going on for the last 10 years in this country uh, in response to the uh, Vietnam War and to the um, popular movement against the Vietnam War and an attempt to throttle the desires that were released in that movement. And, uh, you know, people keep on saying the right, you know, the country's moving right. I think it's arrived. Uh, we're facing it. Um, and I think that the uh, struggle, as far as I could see, a lot of it would be fought over the economy. And it's interesting to me how the economy is taking on the, some of the aspects of the Vietnam War, where they keep on saying there's light, light at, the at the end, end of, of the, the tunnel. tunnel. Yeah. Well, if we do this budget cut, you know, it's going to work. And these represent enormous attacks upon the standards uh, of working people and poor people in this country. There is a perceptible shift of the general population to the right if it could be said to have been left of center during the war on poverty days and the democratic presidents that we have. It, the country has moved and has uh, testified to that effect in, in political candidates that they've 
chosen? But Ronald Reagan was elected with 27% of the population. I mean, that's, it's very difficult to describe that, I think, as a persuasive shift to the right. There are fewer and fewer people voting in this country, so to draw conclusions from the number of people who vote and who they vote for as to what the mood is, I think, is a tricky thing. The, the or membership and contributions to, to organizations like, um, you know, the ACLU and, and, and NOW and the NAACP, the traditional uh, sort of progressive organizations, have tripled and quadrupled in, uh, since the Reagan administration. I think you could as easily make a case for there being a shift to the left as for a shift to but the right. But there is a problem, um, I do have to agree. There is a problem that the traditional Democratic Party liberal center, I think, has lost the mm -hmm. elan and the ability to That's kind of command the allegiance of the people. And, and in that sense, the people who bother to go and vote or who, who have a, a, an aggressive political profile are the right. And I think that what we have to do is find ways to mobilize you know, the natural majority of the society around a, a left-wing and progressive alternative. And it's interesting, this is related to the what you were talking about. Um, I don't know if you went to the Solidarity Day march in, no, in Washington on um, September 19th. Well, you know, uh, Reagan really issued a challenge to the labor movement, and they responded by calling probably half a million people down to Washington. And a lot of the people I saw down there were people who I had known during the student movement in the 60s in Berkeley and in mm -hmm. other cities who now are working for a living. I mean, you know, you can't be a student forever. They're working for a living. A lot of them are members of their unions, and they're vice presidents or shop stewards or uh, treasurers or on the political action committee of their unions. And I think that right now the labor movement really is terribly inadequate in its ability to respond to. We were talking before the show. I mean, the, I think Lane Kirkland has not really been able to provide the kind of leadership to respond to the PACPO strike and to the unemployment mm -hmm. and the, the whole mm -hmm. economic thing. But I think that with time, there will be a movement, uh, we can hope to build a movement from below in the labor movement, and that one ingredient in that will be those people, the veterans of the 60s, um, who, who s you know, have, still have some kind of vision of a better world and who, who can make some relationship to the labor movement the facts about give this. the lie to your hope. Which one? The, the fact that the membership in labor unions is falling off sharply. Well, but this was admitted by Lane Kirkland. Yeah, but yeah. it's, but it, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't see the labor movement, especially the organized labor movement, necessarily as a hope for radical change in this, in, in this country. Do you though. see any hope for radical change? Um, I hope that I we're going to be able to hold on to the gains that, that we've made, and I do think there are some gains. A moment of, of, speaking of lights at the ends of tunnels, a moment of illumination for me came in uh, January when the new Senate uh, took office, and immediately 26 versions of a constitutional amendment to ban abortion were passed. And I realized that, along with many other feminists who worked for abortion repeal, this was something I had just come to take for granted in oh the no. last 10 years. Yeah, and I, I mean, suddenly, I mean, I feel, far from being able to articulate a vision of utopia, I feel like I've got to come back into some kind of active work just to maintain the few gains that, that we have managed to make in the last 10 years. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to raise the question about the socialist movement. I'm, I have had old quarrels with socialists, you know, going back 10 years on the issue of feminism, because it's, it seems to me that, that women's issues and, and women as people were always given short shrift by socialists, by socialist governments and by socialist parties. And 
I think I developed a pretty rhetorical line about that in the in the early 70s, which I'm certainly willing to reconsider. But I, I haven't seen much signs of change in the local socialist organizations in regard to feminism, except a kind of anxiety to keep up with the movement that they the women's movement that they feel has maybe gotten away from them. Well, all I can say is that that most these governments that call themselves socialists are not, by my standards, socialists. And I think it's true that in Poland, where I was recently, or in uh, all these other countries, women are not treated fairly, are treated badly. So I agree with you about the the real concern and the kind of socialism I'm for would relate to that. Um, I guess I want, could I come back for a second to the, the point that you raised, David, which was you said, well, labor is clearly so small now or getting smaller that this doesn't matter. Well, I think that they, the, it's precisely the, the people who have a vision in the labor movement, women who have been organized now in the labor movement in ways that they haven't been before, and a lot of these veterans of the 60s, blacks, and people who have some sense of, of a, a different kind of labor movement who are also concerned about the fact that the movement is shrinking because they know, you know, if you're... There's nothing to offer. There's no, uh, there's well, no inspiration. But, there's but, no, but, there's, but there's certainly a need to defend, uh, for an institution to defend the powerless in the society and make them powerful. And I think if that means you know, rebuilding a labor movement... They didn't even command their own troops uh, in the last national election. I mean, well, um, of course, there's a question of who huge, are they asking people to vote for? They were blue-collar workers. They were asking people to vote for Carter. They were asking people to vote for Carter, who was no bargain. That's the problem. Yeah, I you know, when you that, talked about how, how... And they chose how, Reagan. How Reagan is the culmination of a, a, of a lot kind of people of thought of Reagan as a kind of... I mean, you're not dealing with a terribly sophisticated, especially voting electorate. You know, a lot of people imagined Reagan as a kind of radical, in a sense, in the, in, in, with the idea that he was going to do things differently. But, but to get back sort of to the question you had, you had asked previously, I, you see, I think that one of the things that... Um, that concerned me throughout the mid-70s was this whole question of, um, it was always the saying, well, what do you stand for? You know, what, we know what you're against. What are you for? What, what is your vision of the world? And I suppose in um, the mid-70s, that got to be a real thing, you know, because uh, there were radicals who were elected to town governments, uh, local councils like in Wisconsin and Madison and uh, stuff Paul like Harlan. that, Paul yeah. Soglin, et cetera. But, um, and at the same time, I myself was not attracted particularly to any of the political organizations of the left that, that remained and, and were throughout that year, um, throughout those years. Uh, uh, simply as a member of, a rank, of the rank and file, I wasn't attracted to them. But one of the things I felt was, why is it necessary to come up with the way it would be if we had power? In some way, that is not one's responsibility. That's one's responsibility if you've gotten everything taken care of first. But one's first responsibility is simply to say what is happening, to announce a reality that is not um, the reality that, is, that, is, that comes across from the television, that is announced by Ronald Reagan and his cohorts, to say that these are lies, um, and to do that work. So uh, that may be somewhat of a negative position. That may be simply my my temperament, you know. But I think that that is a very honorable thing to do and an important thing to do. Um, and it certainly is where the left gets its growth from. Because the left, um, I think historically, and you know, always is comes from a base of, in a way, saying nay, because by saying no to certain things, it is promulgating values that are defied by the state. 
um, values of... Uh, Seems to me your job is being done 